Ridge Meadows RCMP are on the scene at 216th Street and Lowheed for what appears to be a serious incident. They've had the scene taped off all morning. We'll bring you more details once made available. RCMP are investigating a shooting in Port Coquitlam, which left one victim with serious injuries. Sergeant Tim Silvestri says it happened at Bury Avenue and Wilson Avenue just before midnight. He could not confirm what the extent of injuries were or how many victims were involved. The major crime unit has taken over that investigation. After more than 27 hours of deliberations, uh, St. John jury has found Dennis Olin guilty of second-degree murder in the death of his father, Richard, a prominent New Brunswick businessman. And their family founded Moosehead Breweries. Olin has been hit 45 times in his head, neck, and hands, but no murder weapon was ever found. And a 13-year-old with a violent criminal past is one of three suspects in the murders of two convenience store clerks in Edmonton. Charges are pending against the teenager and two men in their 20s. CKW News for Cartwright Jewelers, 6th Street, Uptown, New Westminster, now celebrating over 80 years of diamond savvy. CKW News Time is 8.32. Now here's the latest AM 7.30 traffic. Good morning. Dealing with a police incident in Maple Ridge. Lowheed Highway is blocked at 216th Street. Just take it out of your commute for the time being. In downtown Vancouver, a sign installation has northbound Camby Street blocked between Dunsmuir and Pender until 4 p.m. And Super Main Work has you down a single lane alternating traffic on Yukon at Marine Drive until 6. For the most up-to-date traffic information, go to AM730 All Traffic All the Time. I'm Trish Jewison. Glad you're with us. This is Money Talks. My name is Michael Campbell. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment, which means you as an investor get paid first. There are no fees with this, and it's in the tech field. So for more information, go to soleraclub.com. This week, oil at about 34.50. The loonie hitting the 71-cent range. Both of these coming right to our targets that have clearly been expressed on a weekly basis since oil was well over $100. First, we talked about it at the World Outlook Conference 2014, and then we hammered it home in the second quarter of that year. We've, seen ag- we've been aggressively recommending exchanging Canadian dollars for U.S. dollars since October 2012, every single week. Every bounce in the Canadian, we said, no, it's going to 70 cents. Well, we're nearly there. Now, I'm mentioning this because I'm going to make another prediction today. And you have to appreciate that I hear from lots of people when I make predictions what was so aggressive, like on oil or base metals or the precious metals, currency, interest rates. And some of that correspondence isn't particularly polite. Well, one of the things I love about investing is when someone says, you don't have a clue, well, the market's going to be the ultimate judge. There will be nothing subjective about it. How did that work out? I love the maturity of the markets, the accountability of the markets. I don't know any other show that has been clearer on these directions than Money Talks. So here's a new prediction. Before this economic cycle is over, you will regret supporting the anti-economic growth, the anti-business brigade, so in evidence. We talk about the public sector union elites, much of the mainstream media, public education, special interest groups like Big Environment. You will regret listening to them. These people dominate our public debates. They call themselves progressives. And all I'm saying today in the strongest terms is that before this is done, you will regret listening to them. They don't know the difference between politics and economics. Heck, they don't know the difference between wishful thinking and reality. 
because the variable's out there. Wrong-headed political policies that have produced significant unemployment, long-term joblessness, massive drops in commodities, record low interest rates, which in turn forced what will prove to be, and we're in, the early stages of economic restructuring. They have not dissipated in the least. We are living the age of consequences, and it's not close to being over. I'm going to talk with Bob Hoy later in the show about the credit markets because there's some significant events happening there. The debt crisis is not over. And the consequences of all this, which include growing an economic underclass without the skills necessary to adapt to the technological revolution, as well as the skills necessary to adapt to global competition, are with us. Instead, these people... These progressives talk about minimum wage increases, and they're absolutely missing the bigger point. Low- and semi-skilled workers won't have jobs to get raises. That's just one example. Low levels of economic growth are a best case for Europe, for the emerging markets, and sadly in specific provinces too. We will get growth that does not produce the level of economic uh, growth that will produce a level of government revenues to sustain public sector pensions and health care. The social implications of persistent low growth, come on, they're already on display. Look at the erosion of the middle class. The growing numbers in the underclass, that's a huge concern for me. Look at this, hard economic times produce xenophobia. Well on display already in Europe with violent protests against the refugees. Latest, you look this past week in the Netherlands, but look to France, look to Germany, look to Sweden. Tolerance goes down in lockstep as the economy falls. I made the comment this week in response to Finance Minister Bill Morneau's announcement to convene a panel of experts to talk about fostering economic growth. I glibly said, hey, no need, just look at what Europe's doing and do the opposite. But in fact, we don't look at what Europe's doing and do the opposite. We do the same things. Rachel Notley, Kathleen Wynne, they're traveling the same policy path as the EU. No, not Germany, but the rest of the EU. And I'll tell you, Ontario and Alberta are not going to get different results. In those cases, economic growth policy will be reversed. You wait. Alberta and Ontario are going to be forced to change policy course. No, it'll be either by this government or the next. See, political wishful thinking doesn't get it done in the face of reality. That's something I say all the time, and I appreciate that. But it's incredible how many people ignore economic reality. I hate to say it, but the worst isn't over in terms of debt levels, unemployment, economic hardship. They're going to go up. Anti-growth policies done with no understanding of the economic environment we're operating in are only exacerbating the problems. And that's the key to understand. What's the economic environment we're operating in? Deflation in the commodity markets. Big worries that there's more of it to come. Debt overhang in the emerging markets just starting to implicate us. What's going on in China? All of these things. That's our environment. That's what we don't appreciate and that's what we're going to regret. All that I'm predicting today is the fallout will be sufficiently severe that you will regret listening to these people. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. For more information, go to soleraclub.com. I'll take a break. What are the top three stories this week? Well, we had a raft of them, some biggies. We'll be here with Michael Levy in just a minute. And plus, I've got a big fat idea for you in the investment field. And Bob Hoy, 
Boy, the credit markets, credit expert, we're talking about that at the top of the hour. Stay with us. Stay with us. David Steele's got a big, fat idea for our investment portfolios. Uh, Bob Hoy coming at the top of the hour. Hey, you want that last-minute Christmas gift idea? Well, I'm telling you, go to moneytalks.net. Bring a younger person with you to the World Outlook Conference. Love it if you would take the time and come join us from Kamloops or Edmonton, Calgary, etc. Make it a great weekend. We've got a fantastic rate at the Bay Shore, uh, Western Bay Shore, lowest rate they've ever given us. Uh, as I say, it'll make for a great weekend. And look, that track record is very clear. We have made people lots of money by coming and protected them in other things. Martin Armstrong is going to join me again. Uh, I've got John Johnson really looking forward to hearing his latest on what the Canadian dollar is doing. Joseph Schachter, boy, by that time we'll be in a real interesting spot for oil, all of that at the World Outlook Conference. So if you join us. Coming up later in the show, by the way, I've got a shocking stat, but I'm also throwing in a, a special one. A huge quote this year, an important quote this week, rather, by Time Magazine's Person of the Year that I will bet you you will not hear anything from in the mainstream media in Canada because it's not part of the narrative. But this is from Angela Merkel, if you didn't hear it. Michael Levy joins me on the line right now. Top three stories that smart people are talking about. Mike, uh, as I say, another huge week, but you got to narrow it down to three, so let's start with number three. Well, I thought number three was something that's impactful, uh, mostly for uh, our listeners who live in western Canada, but across the country, Shaw's deal for wind, wind mobile, leaves investors cold, but CEO says he's in it for the long haul. Okay, so Shaw buys wind mobile. Bottom line, what does it mean for us as consumers? Well, you know, Mike, they paid $1.6 billion. They're going to go head-to-head with TELUS, and I think that's the bottom line on all of their platforms. That's going to include TV. It's going to include Internet. It's going to include home phone. Now it's going to include wireless, and uh, it's going to be a bit of a battle. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Shaw has to show their stuff. They have been the laggard in the market. And what's it going to do for consumers? The only way Shaw is going to win or even come close to tying TELUS in this battle is on the rate front. So consumers can expect, if Shaw's going to make this go, that it's going to help their pocketbook because prices are going to become even more competitive, and that's going to bring Bell and Rogers into the competition also. Number two story. The U.S. Fed raises rates, and there goes the Canadian dollar, Mike. I mean, we've just taken this huge pay cut this year. Uh, the cost of imports is going up I mean, almost on a daily basis, and the Canadian dollar just following, just following the oil prices down, and when the U.S. raises rates, boy, watch out. I was surprised... Uh that the reaction after the rate cut, I thought it was so widely anticipated, and we've talked about it on this show. I asked Victor last thing last week. He said, yes, there's going to be one. Consensus was huge, though, that people wait till after the cut. Now, I agree with what you're saying. It's not just that. I mean, we had more weakness in the oil market. Maybe that was a bigger thing, but I was still surprised that there was a, a one-cent drop sort of the day after. That, that absolutely blew me away, Mike, because normally – as we, uh, as you have, uh, have heralded on this show, as any analyst will say, markets discount news, especially yeah. when they know the news. 
The reaction was over the top, but you'd think it only lasts a day. No such thing. Our dollar, well, Mike, just to put it the other way, you want to go out and buy a U.S. dollar, be prepared as a consumer on the retail level to pay a dollar forty-two or a dollar forty-three for one U.S. dollar. I mean, Mike, that kind of reaction foretells what's going to happen if and when the U.S. Federal Reserve continues to raise rates next year. Yeah, you can get some low numbers. Uh, just very quickly, uh, because we've got to get to the number one, but bottom line is I, I think this has been the breaking point for people. I mean, I'm looking at the cross-border numbers. People aren't going anymore. I think can, you know Americans will come up here, but it just looks like the breaking point. I bet some people are going, hey, it's Mexico, not the U.S. if I'm going to the sun, that kind of stuff. It is, Mike. Mexico, Cuba, where they have not had the same effect of the U.S. dollar going up. In fact, a lot of those currencies are going hand-in-hand with the Canadian dollar, so those destinations become a bit cheaper. America is just out of reach. Top story. Five five calls by BMO, economists for 216. Uh, Mike, it's just uh, where they see the markets going next year. They were pretty good last year, and I've picked out three of the five. Well, let's get them. Well, the U.S. uh, election will matter to financial markets, and uh, that's a given, but just a couple of quick examples. Senator Cruz wants to bring back the gold standard. Senator Rubio claims he will never vote for a debt ceiling. Hello, default. And markets would be confounded by Trump because he's virulently, virulently anti-trade. He's against trade. No, I'm just you kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that'll get, You're giving a hint. I, by the way, my, my Goofy Today features Donald Trump's part of it. Am I the only guy who can make that, uh, you know, give a Goofy that way, and people are not going to anticipate what I'm about to say, <laughs> and they'll be mad. What's the next one? Global growth will pick up after years of serial disappointment. Mike, mm-hmm. this one very quickly, one sentence. They say, the BMO uh, economists, that global growth will top the IMF forecast of 3.5% next year. That hasn't happened since 2010. I find that very, very compelling. Uh, Just a warning on that for everybody listening. Keep in mind, if you can get growth low enough, to get it beating that is easy. It's sort of like if you had uh, used to have 10 housing starts, now you've got one housing start. But the next year you get two, remember, the media reports 100% gain in housing starts. So we're coming off a much lower level, so beating that level is going to be kind of easy. We'll see where we are when we start that. Mike, what's their top prediction? Well, the TSX is going to outperform the S&P 500 this next year. I gave that a huh, outperform. But they say, Mike, if prices recover even slightly, and that's oil going to around the mid-$40 level, the TSX would go from world laggard to world leader in 216. Huh? Yeah, well, I just say that's all of my point. If you can get oil prices low enough, of course you can rebound them. And, and their point's a good one, even to the mid-40s, which is not much of a rebound. But, yeah, interesting. We'll see. Uh, but the point is, well, I'm, I'm long-term bullish on the markets, so that's not a surprise. And if the commodity drag side of our market can slow down, if that drag sort of reaches its crescendo, then, yeah, I can see us popping from there. Uh, and, well, of course, and, yeah. And, Mike, well, what they say is they're only looking – for a small bounce in commodities. That would be energy and other commodities. But back to your point, a small bounce could look significant depending on what level it comes from. Yeah, good stuff. We'll have more time to talk about it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Merry Christmas. And you too. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Hey, big fat idea on the way. Stay with us.
Coming up, Bob Hoy. So much to talk about in those credit markets. But time now for Mike's big fat idea. David Steele is president of Western Canadian Properties Group. Uh, been in this business a long time. Uh, I'll see if I can get him on the line right now. David, are you with me? I am, Mike. Good morning. Let's go with. Uh, let's start with the big fat idea. Well, the big fat idea is that our company is Western Wealth Capital, and my partner Janet and I have been acquiring multifamily apartment and townhome buildings down in Phoenix. Uh, over the last uh, 16 months, we've acquired 15 buildings and over 2,000 units. Uh, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, I'm, I can hear Ozzy Jurek smiling right now because that's certainly been one of his favorites. And, of course, you've benefited from the thing we've been chronicling here, uh, the drop in the Canadian dollar. If your stuff just stayed where, you know what I mean, if it hadn't even increased in prices, you would have been up about 20% by now. And it's a part of that diversification. Um, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, what are the two or three reasons that you think, you know, doing that kind of thing, and you're in this case you're going down to Phoenix, you're buying properties, Give us a couple of reasons why. Well, the first thing started with 2008. The market got the stuffing knocked out of it. And, you know, Phoenix was particularly hard hit. And, you know, now it's a very affordable place for people to move and live. So a lot of the big companies are moving there. Google's moving a new Mm. facility, Apple, Intel, Motorola. State Farm Insurance is building a $1 billion facility with about 8,000 people moving in starting this year. Yeah. So it's just simply a lot cheaper for people to operate in Phoenix. And so the big companies that are in California paying guys a couple hundred thousand dollars a year can now move them to Phoenix and pay them you know, $90,000 a year and attract that same person with the same standard of living. What about uh, the cash flow situation down there? Well, the cash flow is amazing. I mean, right now we're buying $60,000 units that rent for about six, uh, $600 a month. So, I mean, we haven't seen that in Canada for decades. You know, I tell yeah. people, look, if I had a $60,000 a unit apartment building in Burnaby that was renting for $600 a month, uh, you know, there'd be a lineup blocks long of people to buy it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, just the basic fundamentals at today's low interest rates and these, the, the ratio of the value to the price is just amazing. Um, Who, who's this kind of stuff? Is, oh, is the, oh, yeah. The final thing is there's just a huge opportunity to go down there and work our magic on the buildings. A lot of these buildings, uh, because people bought them in 2008 and a lot of very unsophisticated people bought them, there's a huge opportunity to really just go fix up the building. Um, the property management and the operation on a lot of them aren't very good. So, so okay. that's really proven to be a yeah. great opportunity for us. Yeah, I've only got about a moment left here, so a couple quick things. What kind of person is looking at? I mean, I'm sort of getting the sense of somebody's looking for some, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for that yield play. Yeah, totally. And, we're, you know, our investors are typically accredited investors that love the idea of investing in real estate and probably as much love the idea of being hands-off and not having to do all the work. Uh, How Dan, long should they part, expect to hold it? Uh, typically, they're looking to hold it for anywhere three to five years. Uh, and the beauty of it is we can increase the value so much that we're typically able to refinance everybody out their equity within about that same period of time. So they continue to get an 8 or 9% annual return on money they no longer have invested. Good stuff, Dave. I appreciate David Steele, President of Western Canadian Properties Group. Appreciate the time. i got to take a break. I'll come back with Bob Hoy. Awesome. Thank you.